Hi, today is November 19, 2023. This is Movies Podcast 485. I'm Tao Gasso Ward, my good friend, the good Dr. John Westfall. And with us are our other good friends, uh, Stephen Hughes and Sven Johansson. Uh, I don't know if we have, I have a couple of announcements and some rants, and then we have stuff in between. So first, I want to thank my old friends, uh, Phil Bao and the good Dr. James Young for helping me test the uh, a new USB-C microphone in person to record mini podcast 40. Um, I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out a way to record more than two people at the same time. And I only, my lav mics come in pairs, so that doesn't help much. Um, well, I guess you could pass the lav around, but that sounds like a bad idea. So I, I got a, a really inexpensive, I think it's like $40 SPK pal USB-C microphone. And I think it worked pretty well. The volume was low, but Adobe Podcast Enhance, um, which is a service that enhances the audio. In fact, it does it automatically to these Adobe Podcast Studio audio. And I think the, the audio came out pretty good considering we're sitting in a res- restaurant with people eating and things clanging and stuff playing on our TV and stuff. So I thought that came out well. So thanks to Phil and Jim. Uh, next item I want to note is, you know, YouTube has allowed podcasts on its video streaming service for about a year now, I think. But you needed to have video associated with the podcast, even if it was just a still image, uh, you know, rendering through the whole podcast. And I, that was just too much work. So I didn't want to do that. But fortunately, last week I saw, uh, I think, a Riverside FM announce. Uh, they're, they're like a, they do like a lot of audio stuff. Uh, and so, th- so shout out to them. They, they, not announced, but noted that last week YouTube's podcasting service included uh, ingesting RSS feeds. And so I set that up last week. And so folks can now go to YouTube and listen to the podcast. Um, you know, there's there's no video. So I think it just shows like my default Podbean, which is my, uh, my podcasting audio streaming service. I think it just shows that on the, on the cover. But you can listen to the podcast on YouTube now. Um, and I'll put a show long, show, show long, show link, <laughs> a link in the show notes. So that's uh, annou- announcement number two. Announcement number three, I was really surprised by this. I was talking to my friend Paul Lawler, right, who does podcasts with me in person a few times uh, this past couple of months. I mentioned to Paul because we both have Apple products like you know some of you do. And I was really surprised that I got emails from Apple or maybe it was just notifications on the device. I think it was just a notification in the device. It wasn't an email saying that my my warranty, Apple Care Plus warranty had expired uh, first on my iPad Mini 6 uh, 2021 model and on my 2020 M1 MacBook Air, you know, like in the last, both within the last 30 days. And my, my surprise was that it let me extend my warranty for, you know, kind of a reasonable fee. Um, I think it was like 40, 50 bucks maybe for the for the iPad mini for one year and I think it was 70 maybe 60 70 dollars 65 dollars something like that for the um, M1 MacBook Air so I did it I extended a warranty um, maybe they are strapped for cash I don't know Apple you guys doing okay first time you've let me do that have you guys been able to extend your warranty I I actually did have that uh, I forgot on what device but it was with I think it was on my uh, the MacBook Pro that I'm using right now. It's a uh, early 2020 MacBook Pro or mid 2020. It was the last Intel generation. Yeah. And when it came up, I had prepaid for three years of Apple Care Plus. Right. And when it came up in, I guess January or not January of uh, June, 
Uh, I was able to renew it for a year, and uh, it says that I can even renew it next year again. Wow. So, yeah, kind of nice. Uh, that was the one thing I was kind of annoyed with. After three years, you were kind of out of luck. But Right. Yeah, and it wasn't, well, I guess it is awfully expensive, but, <laughs> but in a scheme of things, you know, um, my MacBook Air, which is what I'm using right now, works three years old and works fine. So, you know, I don't feel like I need to replace it. It's not slow. It doesn't run hot. Battery's okay. Um, so, yeah, I was really pleased to encounter that. Swin, of course, you know, replaces everything every year, so he doesn't care. <laughs> Actually, this year I didn't do that, but uh, I don't, I'm, I'm suffering from that, too. So it's kind of, but uh, generally, my wife and I, when we do stuff, we generally just do the month-by-month thing. And uh, uh-huh. just never that just never seems to stop. So yeah, it's three dollars here, five dollars there for something, and it yeah. just keeps on going until. He, and the only thing you wonder about sometimes is what what happens when you do replace it. I think if you uh, if you re- trade it in at Apple, right, they recognize that it stops that, and it just kind of uh, lets you start it up on the new device you replaced it with. So yeah, that seems to work out. It's, it's just yet another one of those subscriptions. It is. It is. And I have to say, I have exercised Apple Care on my, I mean, I haven't exercised in years, but I had a, actually my first MacBook Air, I think, had some micro cracks that was sort of well publicized back in the day. And I think that's the only MacBook I've ever had to actually exercise. I think my daughter's MacBook Pro needed like a system board replacement. So yeah, we've used it a few times. We've used it a few times, uh, probably not enough to pay for itself, but I will say that I will say that when you walk in there, I mean, whatever device you got, they'll scan it and see what the, you know, yeah. what the serial is. They know if you've got Apple Care on it oh, yeah. immediately. They, they know that. And I think you get treated better. I, I really do. Um, we've had, um, my wife came, went in one time with a kind of a, a little crack in the bottom of, of an iPhone yeah. on the side, right in the corner. Right. And uh, they looked at it and said, oh, you've got Apple Care. This yeah. looks like a stress fracture to me. No charge. <laughs> You know, so, and they went in the back and, the, and, yeah. and this is a, the rest of the funny story is they went in the back to replace the, the screen yeah, and came back and said, uh, we've got uh, sort of bad news and good news for you. Yeah. The bad, the bad news is we screwed up the phone when we we're trying to change the screen. Yeah. The good news is here's your new phone. And they gave her an inbox phone and it was inbox sealed phone. Wow. So now if you keep all your stuff backed up, like we, you know, always do it. It's just a matter of you turn it on, sign it in, and you're back in business. Yeah. So, so absolutely no cost, brand new phone. Yeah. I, I, I and I got to say, that's been my, my few experiences have been like that too. My only bad experience with Apple Care was a iPad Pro that has a green line in it, and they replaced it once, and then the second time they didn't replace it, and it still has a green line. I couldn't even trade it in because of that green line. And so, um, it's still usable. It's just a one pixel wide, you know, vertical green line. So, oh, well, whatever. I have a spare iPad Pro to use. Um, but yeah, in general, my Apple Care experiences have been really good, especially compared to other, like I'll, I'll name, uh, there's a, a well-known computer company, starts with a D, ends with an L. <laughs> and I had a, I had a Dell uh, notebook under warranty. This is a three-year warranty. And of all things, I think the power cord went out. And by went out, it was probably like a short in there somewhere. I was afraid in, internally. And I said, I'm pretty sure it's the power cord, you know, or the power adapter, rather, the, the whole adapter itself. 
And they said, oh, well, you know, we, you have to send in the whole thing so we can check the motherboard. I said, no, I'm telling you, it's just, it's just the adapter. And it's under warranty. So just send me a new one and I'll cross ship this one. They said, no, we can't do this. I just said, oh, hell with it. And I think I paid 20 bucks on Amazon to get a replacement a, a power transformer, which worked fine, you know, power block. And it worked fine until the, 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 the Dell laptop itself kind of finally died. So that was not a good, so I never got a Dell after that. <laughs> I've had some a little bit similar to that. Oh, it's interesting. The meat over here is telling me my mic's off, which is true. But <laughs> which is good, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, my wife used, was an IT person, and uh, she worked at an actual IT services company, and they used all Dells. So she had Dell uh, uh, business support. Yeah, it was outstanding. Oh, I I'll agree with that. Was, yeah, I know it was. Uh, but yeah, yeah, consumer support is you know. Lacking, yeah. I, I we we had we had a lot of Dells, uh, you know, prior to retirement. The office I worked in, we had lots of Dells also, um, and uh, they always came through for you know servicing and that sort of thing. In fact, I think I think the local company that handled Sun Microsystems also did Dell, which was kind of funny. But uh, that tells you how old it was the last time I had to actually exercise enterprise Dell. But yeah, that was that was good. And other people have not had problems when we we're at work and. Actually, most of the large vendors for enterprise support, they're pretty decent. I can't think of anybody that's really bad. Yeah. I have mostly, I have mostly Dells here and it's, it's to me, it's like I bought it and that's what it is. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't expect any aftermarket support. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but warranty support, you know, that's kind yeah, of I know. what I'd yeah. like. Yeah. Expect but, the oh. worst and you'll all be, always be happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, and let's see, what else did I want to say? Oh, okay, uh, I guess I'll add this to my rants later, but uh, I, I got a $80, no brand name, you know, like you won't recognize the name. In fact, I barely recognize, I barely remember the name. $80 Android tablet running Android 12. So, you know, current is 14, so it's, and it can't be upgraded from what I can tell, which is fine, um, which is about, you know, the same price as like a Amazon Fire HD 8, but it has Google Play Store access. So I'm, you know, it's really surprising what you can get for under $100 these days. I'm, I mean, is it going to like compete with iPad mini or, well, actually it's a 10-inch, so iPad Air, um, no, but it's also $80. So, you know, uh, managing expectations is important when using really inexpensive stuff. And except for bad speakers and the fact it won't pair with a Bluetooth mouse, but everything else is fine. Keyboard <laughs> works, Bluetooth keyboard works. It came with a Bluetooth keyboard and a Bluetooth mouse, by the way. Uh, so and the mouse doesn't work. The mouse and the mouse works fine. I've paired it with something else. Oh. The mouse is, you know, mechanically and electronically fine. It just won't pair with the device it shipped with, which is kind of a shame. But you know, not not critical, not critical path. So it's not a big deal. Again, eighty dollars, <laughs> and the screen is really bright. So it's uh pretty, oh, oh it's a case question. The question I would have with it for eighty dollars, yeah. yeah, is it one of those things where it's worth it for some people, or do you think the frustration you would experience with it would you would be saying, uh, let me just pay another twenty or thirty or forty dollars and get something that works better? Well, I'm not sure you can get something that works better for twenty or thirty or forty dollars, but and I I haven't tried a lot of low end Android tablets. In fact, this is like test case number one. But I would say that if you're expecting, like I said, an iPad Air or, you know, a Google Pixel tablet, uh, no, <laughs> you're not going to be happy. Well, 
<laughs> and the reason I ask is, you know, if you're thinking about iPad Air, you're already using an operating system that's two or three years old. So if you were to compare that to a two or three year old iPad Air, you might actually only be within $30, $40 to get to that. Oh, you mean to buy an old uh, iPad versus a new iPad. Um, you, I think most people would be better off in an iPad, although I really, can you really get it for like under 200 bucks? Well, I don't know. I, I you know, let's see. I get old enough. Yeah, well, let's see whatever the lowest cost full-size iPad is these days, which I think is around $300. I think it's like $329, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're better off. I mean, if you can afford that, um, you're better off. But if you if you have maybe like a little kid or something that you know you just want to give them something to play with, it might not be a bad thing. Uh, the only thing it really can't do well is, uh, aside from a mouse problem, is that I tried to do a doodle on it, you know, to just draw it on, on it. And it was just too slow for, at least for the software I tried, which was uh, Sketchpad, I think. Used to be Autodesk product, now they're on their own. Um, which works fine on a Pixel tablet. So, you know, with a fast enough device, it works fine. It's also a capacitive pen. So, you know, like old school, like pocket PC. Yeah. Used to have. So, but you know, the screen is really bright and nice and the sound is tinny, but I attached a Bluetooth speaker or, you know, it's paired a Bluetooth speaker with it and that took care of the audio problems. So... Yeah, really surprising. Really surprising. Okay, and then I've been yakking. I'll, I'll save my rants for later. So, how are you guys doing? We're all ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're uh, we're actually going to go out to, for Thanksgiving rather than do a bunch of stuff at the house. Oh, that sounds like a, a much neater way to restaurant do it. called Mimi's. I don't uh-huh. know. They're they're a chain, so they may be around the place you guys are at. But uh, they do a pretty good deal, and uh, so so it saves all the stuff and actually saves the leftovers, which is fine with us right at the moment yeah you know that's, we're that's we're doing a similar thing we're going to this restaurant called cracker barrel which oh, yeah. is uh, also a chain but the irony is that uh we're meeting up uh you know my wife and i live about 14 hours away from my in-laws and we pass a number of touristy type things every time we go home and we always say we should check that out sometime we should go there and see if any of these things are interesting so that's what we're doing. We're meeting about halfway between our two respective uh, homes and kind of do a few touristy things uh, this week uh, in that area and see if it's worthwhile to to go to. Have you ever been to a Cracker Barrel? Yes. I have okay. been to the restaurant a, they've had a Cracker yes. Barrel off of. So, uh, yeah. Did you pre-order? I'm looking so try, at their site try now. Try the on as you get through. Hey, John, did you pre-order? Because I'm looking at their site now and it says pre-order now. <laughs> well, that's if you want to carry out. You can actually dine in. So uh-huh. we're going to dine in, and they don't do reservations or pre-orders. Oh, okay. Pop out a wait list, yeah. Looks good. The gravy especially looks pretty darn good. I like gravy. So, uh, I make good Southern food. Yeah, And I should note that we didn't. We don't have a Mimi's chain nor a Cracker Barrel in Hawaii. Well, I kind of wish we had a Cracker Barrel. You might have to venture off the island to... at some point just to <laughs> just to try it out, you know? <laughs> well, my venturing days are done. I don't want to fly anymore. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's just an uh, a um, uncomfortable journey to me these days. Yeah, and I know all you guys are still traveling quite a bit, so you know, good luck with you. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, oh, I thought you guys are still I traveling. I haven't been anywhere in years. Yeah, uh, same year. Visiting family. Yeah, which is which is easier. I can I can drive farther before I hit water than you can. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get very far. Uh, so um, all right. So you know before. Before we get too into my rants, I did want to ask, you know, 
you know, we've, we've all known each other for more longer than this podcast has existed and which is 15 years this month. And I just want to kind of touch bases with everybody to see, you know, what are you using these days? I mean, I think 15 years ago, we were all still using Windows Mobile or was Windows Phone out already. And I think Windows Mobile. So we're, I think, yeah, we're still using Windows Mobile and pretty happy with it, I should say. Uh, and I think Windows CE just got the embedded system, which is with all that's left, I guess. That just got discontinued completely, right? After 26 years. Um, so, and I know, I know, I know uh, John is an iPhone person or I, Apple person and Swen is like everything. Are you still using your Pixel Fold as your main phone? Oh no, I I never used it as the main phone. Uh, oh, my iPhone, my iPhone is my main phone, and I oh. actually still got a 14 Pro. Wife has upgraded to a 15. Yeah, How nice. But uh, <laughs> I, the, but uh, no, the the Pixel Fold was a. Um, I I like to keep an Android because it's fun. I like I enjoy Google. Right. It's a right. very clean. Never liked Samsung. My kids had Samsungs. I just never liked their interface. But um, I wanted to try a fold of some sort, and when Google produced one, I traded in my uh, Pixel Pro, and uh, T-Mobile gave me a thousand dollars for a seven hundred dollar phone new. So <laughs> it's I don't understand, but uh, so I have it. It's fun. Um, I think I could use it as a primary phone if I was in in, the, in that ecosystem primarily. Right. Uh, I'm kind of all over the place. All my what are all you? my big stuff is Windows stuff. Um, I do use iPads, yeah, but my iPhone is my primary phone, and I use that more than probably anything else other than a oddly Surface Go tablet or yeah PC. So, are you using the Pixel Fold like a mini tablet when it's um, literally? It's, it, what I think is really good about it is uh, the size of the screen on the front. It's a perfectly usable phone. Uh, you can do everything you would on maybe, a, you know, back back in the day, phones weren't huge. Right. So, but it's very clear and very bright. So you don't ever have to open this thing to use it as a phone or or as an Android something. You check mail or whatever. Right. And you get to want to view something bigger, uh, maybe do mail triage with with the uh, messages list on the side and open up mail on the on the right, it's great for that. Um, if you want to watch a video, it's pretty good. You know, it's still got you know it's got a crease in the middle, but if you do, you get used to that. Yeah. So it's it's something you could actually probably spend eighty percent of your time never opening it, uh, so as opposed to the Surface. Yeah. <laughs> no, you really don't. So as opposed to a Surface Duo, which you can't do a thing with unless you open it. So ah. Uh. And you had a duo too, or you have a duo? I I, I still yeah I still have it. I yeah, can't get anything out of it, so I still have it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Stephen, what 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 are, you, what are you using these days? Now that we've all moved off Windows Mobile for over a decade, <laughs> you'll need it somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. Okay, we'll get back to him. Just chime in whenever you're unmuted, Stephen. You heard him earlier. Okay, we'll figure this out. Oh, he I see him on there. Oh, he just yeah. Dropped oh. Off Adobe. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. I see that. Yeah, I see an X there. Okay, and and John, I guess you're you're all in on Apple, right? I don't think you're using any non-Apple products. No, every time I think about untangling myself, and I could, I thought about it, but then I look at feature parity of the features I use and the history of those features that I like to be able to access, and it gets really harder and harder to think about jumping. So the only way I think I'm going to jump in the future is if I just build my own ecosystem which I have thought about doing uh, and rolling my own cloud and everything else that I want to do. 
So if I have time, maybe that would happen. And then I could be platform agnostic. But for now, I just stay mostly in the iOS, macOS cloud. Yeah. Yeah. I just said Steve another invitation in case he needed one to rejoin. Um, but, you know, one of the, one of the surprising things that uh, I noticed about my own usage just in the last couple of weeks is I've been using my Pixel tablet a lot more. I think it has better battery life than my iPads, which is shocking to me. Um, and I've been using it like, you know, all morning to do pretty much everything, email and, you know, checking stuff on Amazon and reading the news and watching YouTube videos and all of that. So that's been, that's been a surprise. The only thing that I don't, well, the only thing that's disappointing about the Pixel tablet is that it cannot display on another, in an external display. I mean, not even mirrored. You plug in a USB-C monitor, you plug into a hub with HDMI and nothing. It, it, it just doesn't support it. Um, and that's verified. That's, you know, after I tried it and didn't work, I looked it up. So, but except for that, it's, um, it's really neat as a, as a standalone tablet, um, which I almost didn't expect because I bought it to replace my Lenovo smart display, which, you know, Google has sort of been slowly sunsetting its features to the point where it's not very useful anymore. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been a real surprise to me. I've been using the Google Pixel Android tablet a lot more recently, like, you know, at least half a day. And then I'll switch to an iPad for the rest of the day when I sit it back on its dock to charge it back up. Um, did you see Steve's note in the, in Meet? No, I did not. No, he says, uh, it, Google Meet took over his microphone and he can't rejoin Adobe because the recording's in progress. Oh, darn it. Darn, darn, darn. Okay. Uh, I wonder if I can, let me see, can I remove? Because I sent him another thing. Well, you know what we can do? Let me stop this recording and we're back. And I have an echo in my ear, but that's all. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, I'm, I'm trying to switch different things to see if I get rid of, there, I got rid of the echo for myself. All right, can I hear you guys? You guys still there? Might be able to. Yep. Okay, yep. great. Uh, so I just wanted to, to note that we were recording using Adobe Podcast Studio Beta. And Steve got dropped for some reason. Steve Hughes is here with us and got dropped and could not rejoin while the recording's progress. So I'll report that to the Adobe podcast team. And then when I after I uploaded what we had recorded for 25 minutes, it now says an upload failed. But that happened the last time we used Adobe Podcast too, and then kind of recovered itself. So we will see if it is able to fix itself. But in case it isn't, I'll just recap real quickly. And I think I'll recover, but this is uh, Moviews Podcast for you, 485. It's November the 19th, 2023. Uh, the good Dr. John Westfall and I have our, our old friends and frequent guests, uh, Steve Hughes and Sven Johansson on with us. And we were talking about, uh, we're talking about YouTube now having RSS feed for RSS feed for podcasts, which I have turned on and I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, my surprise at AppleCare Plus or Apple allowed me to extend AppleCare Plus on my 2020 M1 MacBook Air and my 2021 iPad Mini 6, and uh, and that I'm having a pretty good experience using an $80 Android tablet. Not perfect, but, you know, again, taking into account what it costs, uh, it's a pretty good experience. And, oh, I forgot to mention that I received a Google Notebook LM, their, you know, their AI notebook tool, uh, about two weeks ago, but maybe three weeks ago, but I still haven't been able to use it. It's still not active. And uh, oddly enough, I have access to their Discord group where they, you know, have announcements and stuff from the team. So really weird. 
And we were just talking about what devices we're, we've been using in the past 15. What we used 15 years ago is pretty much all Windows Mobile for the, for the four of us. And uh, these days, we know it's a variety of Android and iPhone devices. Um, so, any rate, uh, again, I'm hoping that we can do that. And uh, so, Steve, why don't you tell us what uh, what devices you've been using recently versus, you know, 15 recently. years ago? I use a lot of devices, but uh, my, my day-to-day is the iPhone 14 Pro. I mean, I haven't upgraded either. I mean, it's basically my, my go-to. I still have an Android phone as well, too. I have a Samsung. FE22 that I got free from adding a line to a T-Mobile. Wow. I still have that play in the Android sandbox, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and that constantly gets updates on it. The security updates come just as quick. I still haven't gotten the latest version of Android on it yet, but uh, still nice to have. And it does everything else that I like on it. I like the Dex pur- purpose of it too, so I'll bring that as my like Xbox, portable Xbox, instead of carrying around an Xbox really when I travel for work or something like that. So it's nice to have. I'm looking at probably like the Nothing 2 phone. Uh, it's a pretty decent uh, Android phone. Yeah. The, I, I like the, the the ID design on it. They have the, the way they do their UI, and they just came out with their, a new Nothing Chats using a Sunbird that's currently in beta right now that gets rid of the blue bubble that people experience when they're using uh, Android devices in a chat with an uh, Apple device. So it signs on using your Apple ID, allows you to log in and actually do majority of the stuff you can do with a normal uh, Apple chat. And they're going to be adding more options later on, too, as they come along, too. So we've heard from the CEO. So it's pretty good. I'm not sure you guys know uh, Casey Neistat. He's also one of the investors in Nothing as well, too. So it's a it's a pretty decent company. They have some really great headphones. And the majority of like, their earbuds, too, I think, are Apple users. So that says mm-hmm. a lot about what they do. And, they, and I think I like a lot about that clean UI. They need a lot of transparency, too, so you can see some of the hardware that's inside of it, too. So it looks like another thing will probably pop up on, on my uh, wish list. What is it? Are they going to charge for that integration with Apple iMessage? No, because it's uh, you're just using an iMessage account. It comes free. Uh, uh, it's in, open in the Google Store too. I put in the uh, the chat too if you want okay, to look at it, what they have on it, and also the link to the the nothing too. So it's it's a pretty uh, revolutionary thing, and then Apple's probably going to open up their AI to other Android, and I'm right. sure Google would dance the ruse. They they announced that they're going to do something similar to that, but I don't know if it's been full official yet, but. It looks like the workaround is currently through that Sunbird app that's been out in beta. A lot of few people have tested it, and it's worked pretty well. Hmm. Hmm. That is, yeah, that is interesting. I, I still have a bunch of friends. Well, I shouldn't say it like they're odd, but I do have a bunch of friends who use Android devices, and it would be nice if they could integrate iMessage because uh, what it means for me is if, you know, if a friend uses a non-Apple device for messaging, I can only answer them on my iPhone. I don't see it in iMessage anywhere else because it's mm-hmm. not iMessage, right? It's just SMS. Yeah, it's just SMS. Right. You don't see the bubbles that pop up when someone's typing. A lot of people like to see that too so they can hang around for a response. So right. That will actually carry over too as well with the, uh, right. the nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I read I this think... morning that, nothing, that nothing thing was taken off the market. Oh, it was? Uh, for was for security reasons. Because oh. you were actually, I think from what I read, you actually had to provide uh, nothing, your Apple ID oh. and password to use it. Which kind of makes which sense. Means they have your, which, yeah, which means they have access to your entire app kingdom. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I assume they were, you know, using an iMessage and taking it out and putting it back on, on Android. So it was totally you know, man in the middle type. Yeah, man in the middle, totally unsecure. So they took it off. Well, I mean, it, it depends on how they were doing the security. But at the end of the day, you're logging into a Mac in a server rack somewhere. And yeah. so it, it depends on how they're securing those credentials and 
you know, all the different ways that you could access that machine or they could access that machine. So yeah. there's a right way to do it. There's a lot of wrong ways to do it. And we don't know which one was which. Right. Yes. Bankruptcy gaps have the same access as well, too, to all your information as well, too. So yeah. it just depends on what APIs are being exposed. Yeah. Um, and, and I think as Steve no. said, you know, just, just a moment ago, Apple's supposed to introduce some, their own solution. I think they're forced by the EU next year. Well, yeah, there's adding RCS to it, but, uh, what you got to read is they're, they're using the GSM associations standard RCS, uh-huh. which is not what Google's using. Uh, right. So, you know so what you're going to have is an unsecure RCS versus uh, an unsecure SMS. And it still will be in the iMessage app, but it will, you know, give you some more capability. So basically, we're back to like 2003 text messaging in terms of security. Yeah, still SMS, yeah. still unencrypted, which is really bad. Yeah. And the real bad money. I mean, they should be using hashes. They should be using FIPS clients. They should be using a whole bunch of stuff that's already out there, too. So, but yeah, no, especially I, the stuff is being sent with pictures. Yeah, I... Yeah, I had I thought I had read some time ago that R- uh, RCS, the actual standard, actually supported um, point-to-point encryption, but not group encryption. So, but I'm not sure about that. So, but what Google did is they they're using sort of the I- RCS protocol, but routing it through Google servers. So they're able to put a lot of extensions on it that um, you don't get if you don't use the standard. So, so you're still going to have green bubbles. <laughs> And the thing that always got me is if you look at the chat app on an iPhone, it's green. You know, the icon for it is green. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> should be deep. But, so if anybody wants to actually have secure messaging, point to our in groups and don't use Google, don't use Apple, use WhatsApp. Yes. <laughs> you just pick a third. You're, just, you're good. And you're fine. Just using meta. So why yeah, not? Exactly. If I if I had to really choose like ways these days, it's going to be <laughs> Signal. But that's just because they're, they haven't been aligned with anyone I hate yet. So <laughs> Telegram's owned by Russia, right? Yeah. Yeah. So don't put anything on there that you care about. <laughs> yeah. So basically. Well, I mean, good logic like, like in general is don't put, any, don't put anything in writing ever. Yeah. You know, that yeah. makes it a lot easier legally if you just <laughs> never have anything in writing ever. Yeah. Yeah. This, this reminds me of the secure computers that. I remember one place I used to work, uh, the Navy had a secure computer that was like in a vault, totally, not just air-gapped, you know, it's like steel-gapped. <laughs> yeah, they never let me in there, but I knew about it. Uh, anyhow, okay. And Steve Steve just posted a text to our group chat saying something about secure, not secure ASL. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, wait. <laughs> American Sign Language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking what that would look like, but that'd be funny if there were such a thing. Um, and of course, for those of us who don't know American Sign Language, it is secure. We have no idea what people are saying when they sign. Um, did I tell say, you I tried to say do ASL in a dark field? In a dark field with a, <laughs> the dark room? No, I remember like... a bunch of years ago, I had laryngitis, um, you know, because it, it, it hasn't happened recently, but years and years ago, every time I got a cold, uh, I would basically get, uh, oh, what do you, I would get bronchitis and I would get laryngitis and I would be unable to speak, you know, for a while. And I thought, you know, I really should learn ASL if this is going to keep happening. Um, and so I learned like, I don't know, 10 words or something, um, and never got past that, but it's still something I should probably do. I have some friends who learned it who are not hearing impaired or even know people who are hearing impaired. They just did it. Uh, 
So now, now might be the time to try again now that I'm retired. Um, okay. So, uh, getting back to that, uh, that's really cool, Steve. I'm, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm just all in on, on Google's Pixel phones for my own phone and tablet needs because I just got tired of non-Google hardware not getting updates. Like you know, like that inexpensive Android tablet I just got. Yeah, that's what that's one thing I say about Apple. They keep up the security updates. Yeah, and it's like that's the one thing. It's like moved me away from Android as like my daily. And it's just like it's <laughs> it's very concerning. It really is. It's like that's one thing they at least like, Samsung has made that agreement. A lot of their devices and a lot of the other mm-hmm. larger manufacturers are still left. They're yeah. most of them are going away. We're not even developing Android ones. Like LG is totally out of the, the phone business now too. So crazy. There is one of the huge players before and innovators in technology too. So it's just sad to see that happen. By, by the way, these updates. The pixels that seem to put out an update every month. Yeah, security update. Security update. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. So it's available. It's just, you know, you just got to yeah. be in there, Wall Garden. Yeah, that Wall Garden and so the other. Yeah, yeah. I call it a gated. I call it a gated community. It's not a war. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because there's a gated a mission. No, no. You, can, you can leave if you want, you know? Yeah, that's true. We're careful about who we let in. One, uh, one of, by the way, it's not Android, but uh, there's a weird Chrome Chrome OS or Chromebook problem right now. The Lenovo Chromebook Duet 5, and I think maybe one other model, maybe the Duet 3, um, is unable to get past Chrome OS 116 or 117. I guess I was lucky enough to get 117 before I was pulled, but I can't get 118. And what I've been reading is that it's because of some USB-C port problem that's preventing US uh, Android, not Android, Chrome OS 18 from 118 from installing correctly in a Lenovo Chromebook. So eh, maybe if I buy another Chromebook, I'll wait till Google starts building them again. I don't think they've built one in a couple of years now. Or maybe they're going to stop now that, you know, they have the Pixel tablet. But uh, I, I really like Chromebooks. Yeah, they just keep, you know, breaking on me or whatever. I, three out of the five I bought are basically not usable. And they're only like, you know, three, four, five years old. Okay. So speaking of that, I've got rants. Um, <laughs> see that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Rant number one I already said, which was the, you know, I got a Google Notebook LM invite, but I can't actually use it. Uh, rant number two is is probably doesn't bother you guys, but as you may all remember, I am a huge, huge comic book fan. Uh, although I recently sold all my paper comic books off, so my collection is gone. My paper collection is gone. Which means now you can retire. <laughs> which means I am totally dependent on Comicsology for my comic book needs. Uh, and on December fourth, the Comicsology app is going to stop working. Uh, which is you know not too far away. Today's the nineteenth, so like two weeks. And what you'll be ha- what you'll be forced to do is use and Amazon owns Comixology. They bought them a number of years ago, and they are uh, as ZDNet's uh, subject line on this said the other day. Amazon is killing off its Comixology app in a true supervillain fashion. Um, it was sort of a sudden announcement. I think they just announced it last week in like a tweet, and you know nobody's on X anymore, so I didn't read it there. Um, and uh, and I, I do. I did, you know, follow them on X, form, the, the service formerly known as Twitter, when it was good. Uh, and what's going to happen is you have to use the Kindle app for reading comic books. And let me tell you, I have tried that. Kindle app is not good for reading comic books. Um, so I'm very, very unhappy by this. I, I should note I'm a huge fan, again, of comics. Not just Comicsology, but the, the original company, pre-Amazon. 
They did some remarkable stuff. They had a great UI UX, which Amazon ruined in some subsequent updates to the Comixology app, but it's still better than Kindle for comic book reading. And I am such a huge fan that I pretty much bought the first iPad in 2010 because I wanted to use the Comixology app because I thought, oh, this would be you know a great way not to clutter up my house even more. Full color. Yeah. Because at the time, it was only on Kindle, it was black and white. Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, I, I I enjoyed it so much. I was fortunate enough to be able to invite its CEO and co-founder David Steinberger uh, or Stenberger. I'm looking at how I spelled his name to speak at Think Global conference that I organized back in 2010, right after iPad was announced in San Francisco. And um, I'm huge fan, huge fan of the app itself, and I'm just really disappointed. And I and I also wonder, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed this. You know, we we have a lot of devices. And we jump from device to device. One of the things I found out about the Kindle app itself is that if you if you read a book, you can't read a book on more than five devices, I think. At that point, you can't download it to another device and read it. And, you know, we all have a lot of devices, even, if, you know, just at any one time and over time. And some books are like references. You don't necessarily read it and finish it. You read it and then, you know, you refer to it. Um and so I'm kind of wondering now if I have to you know, be really careful about where I install my Comixology app for reading comic books. So, eh, bah humbug. I am not not a happy camper. Not a happy camper at all. Have you tried the Kindle app on the uh, Pixel tablet? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. Yes, That's I a, did. A, my wife used to do that a lot, and she found a you know significant difference between the Kindle apps on various different platforms. Yes, yes. And she much we've had Kindles, a number of Kindles in the house. She's an avid reader, but yeah. Um she actually prefers the Kindle app on the iPad to the Kindle itself. So I think having used them both now, you know, I haven't had a Android tablet in years until I got the Pixel tablet earlier this year. Um I, I think I agree. There's just something about the UI on the on iPad OS that's just better. It's, it's so simple stuff like it is. How do I delete a downloaded book, you know? It's just a giant hassle on the Android. You have to like press, long press here and find three tiny dots. And it's even worse on the Kindle itself. Kindle <laughs> UI is just awful. It really is. Yeah. It's like Look. so much easier on an iPad. Then Android is probably this close second, I'd say. But yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's my rant. I I just want to say to the Comicsology, the original team, you guys are great. Guys and gals are great. Mm-hmm. Great app. Great service. <laughs> Made it easy to spend my money, buy digital, you know, stuff, which I thought I would never really do. But you made it so easy and pleasant that I did. Um, I still have a, a subscription to Comixology, so I can read their, you know, what, what's their, it's not all of their comics, but they have a, like a list of comics and Comixology Unlimited that you can just download on a subscription basis. It's kind of like Netflix or comic book, you know, not everything, but a lot of good stuff. Do you know um, if Disney's ever going to incorporate their subscription with all the Marvel stuff, or do they still have the standard Marvel subscription? Is that separate? And I know DC went away with theirs, right? Uh, yeah, DC went on their own. They messed up my subscription, so I no longer subscribe to them. I subscribed to them for many years, DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also got rid of their videos, you know, their TV series, um, but I can watch that on Max. HBO Max, yeah. Yeah, so that's not a big deal. Um, but... I don't know. I think Marvel Unlimited still exists, but I think I wonder if that's going to go away. I guess I should. I can check what's happening to Marvel because I think when I was looking for, actually, when I was looking for the Comicsology app for the Pixel tablets, when I found out I, about this whole news thing, because um, I could, there is no 
Comixology app for Android on my Pixel tablet in the store now, and that's because I think they're, you know, they basically took it off so that you. Um... Okay, so it says Marvel Com- Marvel Unlimited is owned by Walt Disney Company. I think they used the Comixology app, so I'm not sure what's going to happen to that. But you can still get it on Google Play. So unlike Comixology app, you can still subscribe to that. Maybe we'll see this week when there's a Black Friday deal coming up. Have, uh-huh. Usually they have a, a cheap rate. I think it's like 30 bucks sometimes. 20 yeah. bucks for a whole year the the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And it was uh, the app itself was last updated November 7th of this year. So they, you know, they're still working on it. Okay, more things. Now Steve's making me spend money. I usually dream... <laughs> Blame John and Swen for now. Not all you guys are doing this to me, but that's <laughs> right. another subscription. I know, right? Um, okay, so that's that's my rant. I'm just really, 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 really disappointed because it's it's a great service. And I say, Steve, Steve, did you just post something below in addition to? The- yeah, I did. Yeah, basically, um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to check it out yet. Uh, Adam Savage has his own YouTube channel from uh, all over MythBusters. He did he used to work a lot of stuff with like uh. Macular PC Magazine, and when they moved to Boo, and now he has his own channel. Um, he actually did an awesome video with uh, what's inside of an Apple USB-C cable and why it costs $130. They actually, <laughs> uh, he had some experts on there. I think it was uh, like a electrical engineer. It was like Zach Red- Ratting, I think it was, from uh, Lilyfield CT scans. He actually analyzed a USB cable from top down and all the way through the whole cable. And they took some other sample ones, like the Amazon Basics cable, and they got some two other uh, Chinese knockoffs as well too, and to show like where they actually saw her and are sort of using it to use it for charging or to use it for data and the quality of it. So it's interesting as you get what you pay for. So it's a good video to definitely check out. Yeah, I, I do. I do watch his uh, his videos. I am sadly, you know, being a poor person, I have not. I have not. Um, what well, I guess not donated, but paid for via Patreon. But it's probably something I should do because I really do enjoy it. Um, that's a good one, but yeah, 130. Good, good grief. Yeah. Charlie Brown. Is yeah. For big Apple packs. Yeah. But they, they have to board in it and it regulates charging. So, and the data flow too, cause it does a lot of cool summation too, because like, you know, wire acts kind of like as an antenna, if you know, yeah, it's basically got radio waves and stuff like that. So it does, yes. uh, calculation of the waves, flips the bits, ones and zeros. So you get a cleaner wave to the lower signal noise ratio. I, <laughs> yeah. So some cool stuff. As wires and antenna, I don't think it exists anymore, but I remember that long, 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 like 30, 40 years ago, the DOD had an orange book on how to secure, you know, the then technology from the 1980s. Still ex- and it uh, oh, still exists. And I remember yeah. that you had to use a special printer cable because um, printer cables. The old dot matrix cables. Yeah. yeah they <laughs> radiate like that, apparently, you know. Yep. And, and I remember we had, to, we had to put marks on tables because the way you face the screen had to be at a certain angle if there was a window anywhere nearby you know or you could black out the window whichever was easier i guess so, still that way <laughs> yeah it was just lots the of old lpt cables yeah and that's why they switched to rs232 there was less signal loss. yeah i remember swapping out pcs was just a nightmare <laughs> to, to not you know to recertify it and everything <laughs> ah glad i didn't yeah, talk about that anymore talk about that orange book it reminded me of the uh the TSA book they added. I don't know if you watched the Loki series on Disney. Oh, yes. But they had that orange book as well, too, and I just cracked up because that's what... You know. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Or oh, the TVA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, for for those who have not... For those who have the Disney Plus channel and have not seen the second season, the second and last season of Loki uh, from the Marvel Universe, movie universe, it is well worth watching. Um, and spoiler, so close your ears. 
Uh, I won't spoil the plot, but in I, I, Loki has basically become the Professor Snape of the Marvel Universe in in his character development path. So well worth watching. Uh, also well worth watching for those of you who have Paramount Plus is uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds and Star Trek: Lower Decks, which which is animated and they crossed over and it was wild. So that was that was a lot of fun to watch. That's a great episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am hoping I'm that. Down. <laughs> so I never really got into comic books. I mean, you know, Adam West is Batman and George Reeves is Superman, and that's where I stopped right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris Reeves became Superman for a bit too. Okay. It, it looks like Adobe Podcast recovered all of our audio from part one, so we'll be good. We'll have a complete um, audio podcast for forty-five. So yay for that. But. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out what to do next time. I'm I'm still really liking to use Adobe Podcasts Beta, um, Studio Beta, because it does all the audio cleanup automatically versus me having to upload it. Plus, I think I'm limited to 30 minutes when I upload uh, from non un, until I you know un, get uncheap and pay my hundred bucks a year for their subscription, which I'm close to doing. So, at any rate, we'll use Podcast 485. Thanks to Thanks to the good Dr. John Westfall, as always, who's back from his mm-hmm. hiatus. And, of course, thanks to Swen Johansson and Stephen Hughes for joining us today. And we'll talk to you next time.